0: You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. Open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll be finishing chapter 4 this morning and looking at verses 14 through 16, so Hebrews chapter 4. One of the core things that we believe as Christians, especially in the Baptist ranks for sure, is that we are all sinful. Sinful. People are sinful. We believe and preach and understand about sin. That you and I, we are separated from holy God because of our sin. That there are none that are righteous. That all are sinful. And this is born out of a conviction that, again, to understand the good news of Jesus Christ, we must understand the the bad news of our sin and so in this pulpit here and many other places you'll hear about sin we don't sugarcoat it it's the reality that we are sinful however there's another side to it it's sometimes easy when we consider our sin to become overwhelmed and depressed it's easy to become burdened with this reality that we are sinful people and I've seen where some people some groups will so emphasize sin and not grace again you become well I can't do this I can't live this way there are some people that view God as if he was sort of the cosmic policeman that's always looking to find out if you're doing something wrong so he can swat your hand and put you in jail. Some people see God as the one that's always making sure you're following the rules. And so for many people they see God as the taskmaster. The person that you can't ever show your weakness to And do you know what happens with that view of God no joy in this life no freedom do you know people in your life that you always feel like you have to walk on eggshells around because you don't want to offend them or you don't want them to become angry? Is that how God is? Do we walk on spiritual eggshells? Do we always try to make sure that we never do something wrong? Or is there another way to live? Is there a way to live where we take seriously our sin, but we also enjoy the freedom in Christ we know that we're sinful but we're drawn into a deeper relationship with God and I believe this morning Hebrews chapter 4 we will see that play out so Hebrews 4 14 through 16 since then we have a great high priest Draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, we thank you for your word. May you show us from your word the hope and joy that we have through our great high priest. Jesus Christ, who will help us in our struggles. May you lead us this morning in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to remember this big point. And in a life filled with struggle and difficulty, we must remember that we are never alone. In a life filled with struggle and difficulty, we must remember. We are never alone. Now, in Hebrews, we have walked through, we have seen how Jesus is greater than all the different things that we know of in this life. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. And now we're going to find that Jesus is our great high priest. We've already seen that already. This theme has been introduced but what does it mean? Now, this is where oftentimes it's hard for us in our modern context to understand what the author is saying. When we hear priest, we think of Catholicism, don't we? That, in fact, it's funny. When people find out I'm a pastor and they're Catholic, they'll always call me father or priest. And that's weird for me. I'm not a priest, but when we come to the Bible and we hear about a high priest, we have no way of really, truly understanding what that means. I mean, yes, you might have read the Bible and you see it, but if you're just out and about, you're reading your Bible, you're not a church person, you have no idea what the author means when he says a high priest. But the readers and the hearers and the listeners, they knew. They knew what a high priest was. In the Old Testament, a high priest was the person that really was the mediator between God and people. The high priest had many roles, but the biggest role was to offer sacrifice for God's people. He was the the one, the go between, if you will. Once a year, He would enter into the Holy of Holies. He'd have the blood of the sacrifice that was sacrificed for himself and the people, which is important. And he'd come in and he'd sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice there inside that mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. It's there that he would walk through that veil. He'd go through that veil that separated the holiest place from the other sections. And it was in that moment that the high priest would be in the presence of God in some way. You see, that was where God dwelled. It was a powerful picture. And so what I want us to see, though, is what the author of Hebrews is doing. He's saying, and he's going to develop this more in the weeks to come as we walk through it. But he says, listen, since you've had a great high priest that has passed through the heavens. That's important. Take note of that. The high priest of old had to pass through the veil to get into the presence of God. But it was not even God's heavenly presence, was it? It was His manifest presence here on this earth. But Jesus passed through the veil of the heavens, of the sky, of this earth. And He is now in the very presence of the Father. Saying, listen, He has passed through the heavens. His ascension... This high priest is not in the manifest presence of God here on this earth. He is in the dwelling place of the Father right now. The heavenly abode of God. This is a different sort of high priest. He says, listen, so since you have a high priest like that, Jesus, the Son of God, I want you to underline that phrase, Jesus, the Son of God. That highlights the humanity of Jesus, Jesus, His earthly name, and then the divinity of Jesus, the Son of God. But there are two big points that He's going to make, two commands, if you will. He says, listen, since you can do this, or since you know this, I want you to Hold fast your confession. So, write that down if you're taking notes. Hold fast. He's saying, Listen, I want you to hold on to what you believe. I want you to hold on to it. Now, what does he mean by holding fast our confession? That confession, that idea, is what we believe, what we confess. As Christians, we believe and confess the gospel of Jesus Christ. The news that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And that he now lives at the right hand of the Father. And if you and I will believe in Christ, we can have eternal life. This is what we believe. This is our confession. He says, listen, I I want you to hold fast to that. Because what so often happens is that you and I are tempted to not to hold fast. We've talked about this before. There are many people who fall away from Christ. He says, listen, don't fall away. Hold fast. Hold fast to your confession.'" Don't let go. Don't stop believing. He says, listen, you can do that because of this high priest. Because the reason that we oftentimes are tempted to not hold fast to our faith is because we are weak people. In this flesh, we are weak. We have our physical limitations we sometimes lose our voices don't we we ache we our bones get weaker we have sickness but then we also have weaknesses sometimes we struggle in our minds with our mental health we struggle against different temptations we struggle with our emotions, don't we? And so, in this life, our weaknesses all come together, and we are bombarded with so many different ideas in this world. We're bombarded with so many different viewpoints. And in our weakness, we often let go of our faith. You've seen it, I've seen it. He says, Listen. We we have a high priest, a different sort of high priest. He says we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Now I can't say for certain because I wasn't there. I imagine, and perhaps we can in the, the life of Jesus to a degree... But I imagine there were many high priests of the day who weren't able to sympathize very well with the weakness of God's people. I see that today. Sometimes, and maybe you know them, sometimes they are very holier-than-thou people. People that seem to have it all together. They may be pastors. They may just be Christian people. But do you know the people I'm talking about? Those that have all the the boxes checked. They never seem to have any problems. They seem to treat you a little bit different because you're not as good as them. They're holier. They have it all figured out. And I imagine there were some high priests of the day that looked down on the people who struggled. I've heard of preachers that... Look down on people that struggle. Religious people. But he says, listen, that's not Jesus. That's not the high priest that you have. You don't have a high priest that sticks his nose in the air and says, how dare you struggle with that? Have you ever heard someone say, well, if you struggle with that, you don't have enough faith. Have you heard someone say that? Oh, if you're, if you're dealing with sickness, you must not have enough faith that God can heal you. If, if your children are wayward, that must mean you didn't have enough faith. Forgetting that we all live in this weakness of our flesh. They pretend they have no problems. But he says, listen, that's not your high priest. He's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, look at that word, weaknesses. That word, weaknesses, is very broad, and it can mean any sort of weakness that we have in our bodies the physical weaknesses, the ailments. Listen, it's hard for us to understand. And we've talked about this before. But Jesus probably skinned his knee when he was learning how to walk. He didn't immediately start to walk, I'm sure. He had to learn. He had to stumble. Jesus had to figure out, just like we do. Why? Because he was... In the weakness of the body. He probably. Got a cold. I'm sure he got sick to some degree. You say. Well pastor. How can that be? Because he took on. Our flesh. And so he knows our weaknesses. It's possible that he. Maybe even was teased by his friends. Maybe he got his feelings hurt in this life. That that does not mean that he was not God in the flesh. It means that he had our human frailty. And so he can sympathize with us. He can sympathize. He knows our struggles. He knows the things that we walk through. He can sympathize, not in a pitying sort of way, but in an experiential way. He's been there. Have you ever heard someone say, been there, done that, got the t-shirt? You ever heard that? He's been there. He knows. He knows what that's like. And so he said, listen, you can hold fast because you have a high priest that's been there. Like when you're struggling, Jesus has been there. When you experience grief, Jesus has been there. When you don't know what to do, guess what? I believe even in that that human flesh, right? There's times, again, growing up, figuring things out, Jesus has been there. But then he also says something even beyond. He says he has also been in every respect has been tempted as we are. Matthew chapter 4 shows us that. That Jesus was tempted by the devil. Now what does it mean that he's been tempted in every respect? Now, obviously, there are certain specific things that we face that Jesus hasn't been tempted with. He has not been tempted with spending too much time on his iPhone. But the big categories of life Jesus has been tempted with. You see, every sin falls into a bigger category. Idolatry. Maybe sins of the flesh, sins of the mouth, sins of the mind. Jesus has been tempted with all of these things. Now, it brings up a very interesting theological question. One that we won't get to, but I'll just say it so it gets you thinking. Could Jesus really have sinned? Was that possible? And to be honest with you, I think the author Hebrews leaves us there with that question not to answer, but to know that Jesus was tempted. Now, I'd love to talk with you about that question further because it's very interesting. But what the author wants to say, listen, he was tempted but never sinned. He never sinned. He never fell. He never stumbled. He never tripped up morally. He never told a white lie. He was perfect. But he's been through it. He knows what it's like. And so the author says, listen, you can hold on to your faith because you are not alone. You're not alone in this life. You're not alone in this world. Jesus knows your weaknesses. And we're weak, aren't we? We talked about our physical weaknesses, but we are weak oftentimes against sin. Now, Jesus never sinned, but we do. We know not to say something, but we say it anyway, don't we? We know that we probably shouldn't watch this or listen to it because it's not good, but we do anyway. We know that we probably should not go here, or not go there, but we sometimes do anyway. We know that it's not healthy to think about these things and it's not good. But we do anyway. We know that we shouldn't respond in anger. But we do anyway. We know we probably shouldn't write that on Facebook. But we do anyway. You see, we're weak. And sin comes and we are not... It's not easy for us just to walk away. And we are stuck so often be in bondage, even though we're not in bondage to our sin. It's a self-imposed bondage sometimes. Think about all the things that we can fall into this world. He says, listen, but don't give up. Don't lose your grip on your faith. Because yes, you struggle and you're weak, but Jesus has been there. He's never sinned, but he knows and so there's remember, we don't give up, we don't stop, we hold fast, but then he says the other part, we draw near. He says, Listen, with all that in mind, let us then draw near, let us with confidence draw near to the throne. The throne of grace points to the throne of God. His throne. And I believe an apt description of this is prayer. Coming before God. He says, listen, we can come with confidence. Now that's not arrogance. But it's coming knowing and believing that God will hear you. We don't have to tiptoe coming to God, afraid that we might offend Him in some way. In ancient mythology, Greek and Roman mythology, the gods of those days were very finicky. They were very temperamental. And they were always, the people were afraid that they might offend the gods in some way. And if something bad happened, it must be because they offended God. That's not how it is with our God. We can come with confidence. And this is a promise for those who have faith in Jesus Christ. You see, if you're not a Christian, you will one day stand before God, not with confidence, but with terror. Because you are lost. But for us that are believers in Christ, we can come before Him. Again, not arrogance, but confidence without hesitation, without faltering. We can come before Him to His throne of grace. We draw near. And so that's a picture. He said, Listen, we are weak, we are burdened. We do have our sins, we do have our struggles, but hold fast, but then draw near to God. Instead of going away from God, draw near to God. Like, think about what he's saying. Like, your temptation when you mess up is to run away from God, but he's saying the exact opposite. He says, when you mess up, when you're weak, draw near to God. Don't go away. Because he says, listen, that we will receive mercy. Mercy for our sins. All the things that we've done in our past will find mercy. Not judgment. Not, I told you so, you shouldn't have done that. Mercy. Like the father of the prodigal son returning with this, welcoming his son back, we'll find mercy. But then we'll also find grace. Grace for our present needs and for our needs for the future. To help us in time of need. He says, listen, when you... Know that you're weak when you're struggling with your weakness. Draw near to God. and There you'll find forgiveness and mercy. But you'll find grace. Grace to help you every day. In every single way, you'll find the grace that you need. He'll help you. Because he's a high priest that cares about you. And, th- and this is the big picture I want you to know. Jesus cares about you. He cares about your needs. He's not not wanting you to fail. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be all that the Father has called you to be. Draw near. Don't pull away. Draw near. Remember, in our life filled with struggle and difficulty, we must remember that we're never alone. And so this morning, I want you to remember that. And here, in just a few minutes, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And that Lord's Supper is a picture of this in its fullness. You see, Jesus Christ gave His life for us our sin you and I have sinned against God and Jesus and that's the I mean think about weakness to the extreme right we have sinned against the holy God and Jesus he didn't have to in the sense of you and I we didn't deserve this it's not like we did enough to where Jesus was like well I guess I have to go do that now no, by His love, He's given His life on the cross for us. And so think about the high priest. The high priest sacrifices an animal. He has to do it on his behalf in the behalf of people. So for himself and for the people. Jesus gave Himself. For the people, not for himself. Jesus needed no forgiveness. And so Jesus gave his life a different kind of high priest. Perfect high priest. And so this morning, if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, I encourage you, you need Him. You need Him for your eternal life. But also your life. And this earthly body. Would you come to Him this morning? Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. May we remember May we focus this morning as we consider the Lord's Supper. May we consider the sacrifice of Christ. And Lord, each of us, we have our own struggles and difficulties. May we come to Jesus. Trusting and believing Him. So Lord, I thank you. May you continue to speak to us this morning. In Christ's name, amen.